Chapter 11, Trapped and Attacked. Midair, blind and frightened, Pickett hung like a flightless bird out of his element. The moment passed, an endless fraction of a second. And now he was falling fast, plunging through blackness into he knew not what. He closed his eyes, he flailed wildly, as if it might somehow slow him down. But he came down and down like a sack of stones. One moment he was surrounded by nothing but air. Then he was submerged in ice-cold water. Pickett sank deep into the water, kicking frantically to reverse his downward momentum. Finally, he fought his way up and up in the darkness to break the surface of the water and take in great gulps of air. He opened his eyes. In a few moments, he could see, albeit dimly. He was in a huge cavern, the bottom of which formed the large pool in which he found himself. Above, there were cracks in the walls that let in small shafts of light. After total darkness, it seemed almost bright. He strained to see a shore, but couldn't locate anything. Steep walls, Arcing into a dome surrounded him. He was still confused, and his eyes were adjusting to the room's dim light. Heather, he twisted, paddling in place, searching the water for his sister and Smalls. Heather, he shouted. Smalls! He looked all over, desperate to find them. He could not lose Heather again. In his frantic searching, he saw a little shore of pebbles in a corner barely illuminated by two low lights from the cave wall. He saw that the pool he swam in was formed from an excess of water pouring into the cavern, with the water escaping through some unseen route deep below them. He thought he could hear the water pouring out somewhere, but he couldn't tell where. Heather! he shouted, shivering. His voice shook. He swam hard for the pebble shore, then heard the water stir behind him. He turned to see his sister, struggling to stay above water. She was clutching the slumping form of Smalls, who appeared to be finished. Help, she whispered, energized by the sight of his sister, alive and waking, no doubt by the cold blast of water. He crossed to her in seconds. Please, she said, but she wasn't able to finish. Come on, he said. I have to get you to the shore. We can't leave him, she said, treading water with difficulty. He's alive. But we have to, Pickett said. He couldn't save them both. Come on, he screamed, trying to grab onto her. We can do it, Heather said, her teeth chattering. Together, I can help you. They each took hold of Smalls under one arm. Heather winced as she strained, and they swam desperately for the shore. The whole time they swam toward the distant beach of pebbles, Pickett wondered when they would all sink for good. Somehow, they at last fell heavily onto the shore, freezing and out of breath. They lunged forward, and together they dragged Smalls out of the icy pool. Pickett collapsed beside Smalls, 
shivering and coughing. His mind blanked for a while, and he almost lost consciousness. Then he came tearing back to life with flashing images of their flight. Pickett crawled to Heather and wrapped her in a hug. I thought, he began. Me too, she said shakily. They held each other for a little while longer, warming up a little and saying nothing. How are you, he asked. I think I'll be okay, she said. I was spent for sure. I'm all right besides being a little rattled and cold. My shoulder's hurting, but I don't think it's broken. I can use it. She stood up and looked around wearily. What happened to us? And who is that? She indicated the slumped form of Smalls. His name is Smalls, Pickett said. He helped Uncle Wilfred rescue us. He was our uncle, she said. I thought he might have been father. Where is he now, this uncle of ours? He's nearby, but we have to get out of here, he said, crossing to the wall of rock. We need to act fast. There are cruel things in this place. They're after us. Of course there are, Heather said, shrugging and shaking her head. Of course there are. Uncle Wilfred is out there somewhere. We need to find him and get as far away from Nick Hollow as we can. He stumbled across stones, seeking in the shadows for any hint of a way out. Heather crossed to the slumping form of Smalls. I think he hit his head, she said. She felt the bump on his head and frowned. She left him and went to the water's edge. She plunged her hand into the water and retrieved a small stone. What are you doing, Pickett called. Helping, she said, I think. She placed the icy stone on the bump and held it there, despite the numbing cold that she was feeling. Pickett looked away, scanning the rock wall and feeling for anything that might be a way out. Hey, he shouted. What is it, Heather called. But Pickett's answer was drowned out by loud screams from the caves above. It sounded like dozens of creatures were sliding down the tunnels overhead. That sounds bad, she whispered to Small's unconscious form. Will this never end? Heather, Pickett called, come help me. A boat was leaning along the wall. A rusty chain trailed down to the ground where a heavy anchor lay. Let's pull it down, Pickett said. There was an odd assortment of things all around the boat, ropes, oars, pans, all sorts of gear strewn out on a rotting table. Behind them, they heard shrieks and an awful clamor as the cavern roof shot dark shapes into the air and then the cold pool below. They searched for a way to lower the boat as the cavern filled with loud, piercing wails, then silenced again and terrific splashes. The rabbits heaved on the boat and pulled it down by the old anchor chain. It smashed to the ground as they clambered out of the way. What now, Heather asked, her eyes on the pool and the desperate creatures splashing and flailing in it.
We have no time, she said, trying not to let the panic creep into her voice. I don't know exactly, Pickett said, throwing the rope, oars, a net, and a few small items he couldn't identify into the boat. Into the silence, the call of a whippoorwill echoed faintly in the cavern. Pickett ran to the wall. What are you doing? Heather asked, as the bird call was repeated. Uncle Wilfred, he called, running toward the sound, which seemed to come from one of the nearby shafts of light. Beside the beach, the pooled water moved in a small channeled stream, which appeared to have an outlet somewhere deeper still beneath them. He couldn't see how it worked, but he heard the release of water outside and below them. It must lead to the stream outside. How? He had no idea. Piled up rocks of the wall, in which there were a few openings marked by shafts of light, served as a dam against the great store of water in the cavern. Pickett considered swimming down deep and trying to escape that way, but he had no idea how they could get smalls out. He clambered up the part of the stone wall above the waterline and found a foothold that allowed him to see outside one of the light-filled openings. It was like a small rectangular window. He peered out. There was his uncle, looking worriedly up at the stone wall from a spot near the stream. Uncle Wilfred was right outside the bottom of the seventh mound. Between his uncle and the three of them stood a high, firm wall of built-up rocks forged together by art and age. It was like the entrance to the cave on the fifth mound, blocked intentionally, the wall apparently unmovable. The stream flowed steadily beside Uncle Wilfred. Uncle, Pickett shouted. Pickett, Uncle Wilfred said, moving with great speed to the small opening. His small's all right. He's injured, knocked out, Pickett said quickly. We've got to get out of here. You'll have to protect him until I can get inside, Uncle Wilfred shouted. Don't let anything... But Pickett cut him off. Uncle Wilfred, they're coming. We have no time. Pickett tore at the small opening. And Uncle Wilfred threw his shoulder into the wall with furious desperation. It was a crafted wall, and Pickett thought it could be torn down, given enough time. Smalls, Uncle Wilfred cried. The wall shook a little, and some small stones plopped into the pool. Uncle Wilfred was strong, but Pickett knew it would take much more time than they had to do it that way. They're almost here, Heather shouted. Pickett turned to see her dragging Smalls up the bank of the pebble shore the sheath of his sword rattling against the cold stones. Pickett glanced at the boat. Then he shouted to Uncle Wilfred, Save your strength! Wait here! He ran to the water's edge. Help me drag him, Pickett, Heather yelled. But Pickett did not help her. He knelt beside Smalls and drew his sword. Heather thought he had gone mad and was preparing to fight their attackers. But he ran away as soon as he had it. He crossed to the boat and swung the sword with a grunt. The metallic clink sounded. Again and again he swung the blade. Finally there was a sound of snapping chain and Pickett cast the sword into the boat. He gripped the chain and ran for the cave wall. 
Just before he reached the wall, the heavy anchor on the other side of the chain dug in, stopped him short of the wall. Help, he shouted. Heather, who had begun to drag Smalls toward the boat, ran to pick it, grabbed hold of the chain, and helped him drag it the last few feet. Pickett climbed the rock wall again and fed the chain through the rectangular window. Uncle Wilfred looked puzzled, perplexed, as the piles of chain fell at his feet. Pickett, he shouted, what is this? It's an anchor, Pickett puffed out. Pull with all your strength. Realization dawned on Uncle Wilfred's face. He didn't hesitate a moment, but sprinted away twisting to wrap the chain around him as he went. Pickett climbed down and ran back to the shore. The creatures were coming ashore. It was hard to see more than vague, slippery shapes, some of which shot into the air and flapped their wet wings. Others lurched across the pebbles. He didn't care. He was too exhausted and cold and had no time to watch. The attackers would need only a moment to recover before descending on them. They had only a few precious seconds now. Pickett hoped it was all they needed. Heather struggled to drag Smalls to the little boat. Pickett joined her, and they quickly moved him nearer. As they breathlessly pulled him toward the old boat, they saw the chain tighten, and the heavy anchor began to drag. It skipped and clanged along the ground and then lifted into the air. The anchor struck the rock wall with a tremendous crash the wall held. He heard a sound of grinding stone, the rattle of rocks crumbling down the wall and disappearing into the water. Dust clouds filled the shafts of light, but the wall stood. Pickett looked back. The beach was filling with creeping creatures bearing down on him. The noise of their cursing threats and screeching cries filled the cavern. They would reach the boat in seconds. The anchor slid down the dam wall, slumping into the water. Pickett imagined Uncle Wilfred, the jarring he would have endured to pull the anchor so hard without result. Pickett made ready to defend his sister for as long as he could. He grabbed the sword, which was chipped now, and held it up with trembling hands. He stood in front of the boat, hopeless and afraid. He watched Heather pull Smalls into the boat, and turned to see their attackers only a few steps away. I'm sorry, Heather. Chapter 12. Water Issues. Hopeless and cold, Heather watched her brother raise the sword with trembling hands. It didn't feel real. It couldn't be real. They were just two ordinary rabbits, children, really. This can't be happening. The beasts swarmed toward them with a hatred on their faces that she couldn't comprehend. She closed her eyes. All was noise now. The uneasy breathing of Smalls beside her, the anxious mutterings of Pickett, the screeches of the attacking creatures, and she couldn't tell what else. Then a rattling, chinking sound made her open her eyes. The anchor chain jiggled, and Heather gasped. The anchor moved again, now racing up the slope of the rock wall. Uncle Wilfred was trying again. The anchor rose in a terrific arc and once more stabbed the pile of stones of the dam wall. This time, 
It smashed through. For a second, only an anchor-sized hole appeared. Then rock chunks broke apart, spraying mortar and gravel in a great tear that avalanched down from the breach to the bottom of the wall, gushing water into the brightness outside. The breach in the dam wall caused the rest to crumble and collapse outwards in a terrific noise of crashing, splashing stone. A blast of sunlight filled the cavern, blinding them and their attackers as the enormous pool of cavern water shifted in a moment. Pick it, Heather cried, reaching out for her brother. She clasped his hand just in time to pull him into the boat. As the massive pool rose, and rushed for the gaping hole in the wall of the seventh mound. Water overwhelmed the small pebble shore, surging up to meet them. Pickett made it into the boat with Heather and the still unconscious Smalls, just in time. The boat rose with the swell and raced forward on the crest of the wave that smashed into their attackers, scattering them in the swirling pool. A few of them escaped upwards, but they flew back quickly, unsure of what was happening. The rabbits held on as best they could while the boat sped forward with a roaring rush of water. Outside the seventh mound, the once humble stream that had been slowly fed by a small flow of water from under the rock now raged like a river overflowing its banks. Heather gaped as they issued through the cave wall, their eyes nearly blinded in the daytime sun. She saw Uncle Wilfred twist out of the chain, dodge flying debris, and dive for the rushing boat before the bank that he stood on disappeared in the gushing flood. He snagged the boat's edge with one hand, and Heather fought to pull him in. Pickett dove to the side of the boat where she held fast to Uncle Wilfred's wrist. The boat tilted wildly, and Heather believed for a moment it would tip over. But as she leaned back, steadying the vessel, as she and Pickett strained to hoist their uncle in amid the gathering streams, rapids of the gushing stream. At last, he was in, soaking wet, wide-eyed, and smiling. Adventure, he cried, shaking his fist at the creatures scurrying near the cave, all desperately trying to swim ashore all along the swollen bank. As they sped still farther down with the teeming rapid, red-eye garlic sun, and a squadron of wolves rounded the corner of the seventh mound. Heather saw how the mound was broken open and water issued from a spewing mouth. Broken stone was sprayed all over the swollen banks and trees stood waist high in a sudden flood. The wolves appeared on peninsulas of land, pawing the earth and rushing back and forth in a frenzy. The scene was disappearing behind them with remarkable speed shrinking in the spreading distance. Then the air was split by a long, bone-chilling howl. First one and then many. Heather looked away quickly. They floated in silence for a few minutes, catching their breath. Heather closed her eyes and shook her head as if she could wake up from what felt like a dream. But when she opened her eyes again, she saw the familiar sights of Nick Hollow sliding past her on the shore. She and Pickett were passing the borders of the only place they'd ever known. The stream raced on, now passing long open fields dotted with small clumps of trees. 
Behind them, the sky grew gray as rain clouds hovered overhead. But they sped on into cloudless skies and sunshine. I think we're safe for now. We should be well clear of them in an hour, Uncle Wilfred said, gasping for breath, but grinning defiantly in the direction of the tiny shapes. Heather managed a weary smile. She had never been as glad to see anything disappearing behind her as she was those horrible creatures and their wicked Captain Red-Eye. They had caused terror and destruction and had done who knows what to her parents and baby brother, as well as her friends at Elric's farm. But they had been robbed of some of their plunder. They had fewer victims than they intended to get. Heather took grim satisfaction in that. The boat steadied as the stream, which was still wide, grew calmer. They had a great burst of momentum and were moving along at a good clip, but the water was more predictable here and they began to relax. Ahead, the stream joined with Whitmer River, which rolled away south for unknown miles. Garlickson, Pickett said. Smalls called him Red-Eye Garlickson. Yes. Uncle Wilfred said through gritted teeth. That is his bloody name. Red-Eye Garlickson, he said, spitting. Is as evil a creature as you'll find in the world. As Morbin Blackhawk is among lords of prey, so Red-Eye Garlickson is among the wolves. And Morbin has got him for an awful alliance. Heather's mind now that she was really relaxed for the first time in a long time, filled with questions. Is it the same Garlics who fought King Jupiter in the Red Valley War? King Wilfred's brow rose in some surprise. Yes, that's his son back there, dear. I'm impressed, he said. Wasn't sure your father would be telling you those tales. He hadn't really begun until last night, she said tears starting in her eyes. She still hadn't had time to cry over losing her parents and brother. It all began to weigh on her, and she turned her head away, sobbing. Pickett put his arm around her and said, I'm not sure. Pickett put his arm around her and said, I'm not sure if it'll be all right but I'm glad we're in this together. She put her head on his shoulder and nodded. Uncle Wilfred said, It will be all right, I think. We'll talk about a plan a bit later. And he crawled up to care for Smalls, who still lay unconscious in the prow of the little boat. Smalls has had quite a knock. Don't worry. I know where we're going, and we'll be safe at least for a little while. Please, try to rest. Heather let herself be held by her brother, and they both watched Uncle Wilfred care for Smalls. He lifted the white rabbit's head gently and examined the knot there. He nodded to himself and searched in his satchel. He consulted a small book and made Smalls as comfortable as he could. Uncle Wilfred then sat beside him, holding his hand and looking at the young rabbit with the kind of concern their father showed when they were hurt. They looked so alike, father and Uncle Wilfred. We didn't know we had any cousins, Heather said. 
as their little boat slid from the swollen streams into the larger Whitmer, drifting quickly down the middle of the river. Uncle Wilfred's eyes widened, and he looked around, not meeting her gaze. Eventually, he nodded, saying nothing for a long while. He worked to straighten the boat in the increasing current of the river, and then returned, attending to Smalls. Finally, he spoke again. He wasn't looking at them, but from Small's peaceful face to the wide lands on the shore and the sinking sun above. Small's is a fine rabbit, as fine as any I've known, and that's saying a lot. I don't think you saw it, Heather, but he saved you. Without him, I never could have stopped Garlickson and that other wolf. Heather wanted to ask about Uncle Wilfred's wife, but was afraid to. There was too much of loss and sadness already in this tiny boat. She was afraid to raise another ghost to haunt them. Perhaps, she thought, our aunt has been killed, along with who knows who else. It is, she considered gravely, a terribly dangerous world. She supposed it always had been, but she was only now really experiencing it. Heather, Uncle Wilfred said quietly. He nodded at Pickett, who Heather could see, as she turned, was fast asleep. Finally able to relax, Pickett had fallen asleep with his arm around Heather. He was leaning against her. She leaned into him with her head and snuggled against him and then laid him gently down and patted his hand. Heather realized that she was more exhausted than she could ever remember being. Her eyes drooped. You should get some rest too, Heather dear, Uncle Wilfred said. And he never looked more like father sitting there smiling kindly down on her as the sun sank behind him. She half expected him to kiss her cheeks and whisper a blessing in her ear. But he went back to caring for Smalls. Then she did feel lost. Where are you, father? Where are you, mother and baby Jacks? She turned to look behind as all the world she knew disappeared in the far distance. After the mad rushing and horrible noise of the last hours, the river was gentle and the surrounding country quiet. She crumpled beside Pickett and fell asleep before the first star appeared.